This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Mortgage commercials are rarely exciting. So to make it slightly more interesting, here are my nieces to do it for me. So interest rates continue to drop like my sister's baby teeth. Come on, Uncle Ryan had to say the same thing last year. That's true. Last year, it was rates are boring talk historically low. And now this year, there's somehow even more boring talk historically lower than the previous boring talk historically low. Sounds boring. But for so many listeners who just haven't wanted to deal with it, refinancing right now could save you massive amounts of Lego sets. Rates have gotten that low. Some borrowers could potentially save hundreds monthly and tens and tens of thousands over the life of a loan. And if you didn't put 20% down before, some could even stop having to pay PMI. Give Uncle Ryan a shot. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. The COVID shutdowns have forced companies to allow more employees to work from home, accelerating a trend that was already well underway. And now more than ever, employers are actively seeking workers who perform most or all of their duties without leaving the house. So today, Kingdom Advisors President Rob West has a list of those jobs, and some may surprise you. Then it's your calls at 800-525-7000, 800-525-7000. I'm Steve Moore. The best work from home jobs in 2021. That's next right here on MoneyWise Live. Rob, I'll go out on a limb here and guess that the majority of work from home jobs springing up this year will have something to do with old computers, maybe? <laughs> well, you're right about that. Web and software developing and programming uh, have led the way in work from home opportunities. But there are many professions moving in that direction that you probably wouldn't expect, actually. All right. Interesting. Well, let's get to some of those that we would respect, uh, that we would expect. Uh, get to those first. Uh, what do you have for us? Well, they're probably respectable as well. Oh, uh, yeah. And these are coming, by the way, from a survey by Bankrate.com. And they're uh, not just the fastest growing areas, but many are jobs that pay the best, actually. Mm. Uh, at the top of the list is web developer. They design websites for personal or commercial use. And with websites becoming more interactive and complex, I might add, you can imagine the growing need for skilled developers. Yeah. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates those jobs will increase by 8 percent over the next decade with a median salary of nearly $75,000. Now, oh. next on the list is computer network specialist. Uh, these folks troubleshoot and evaluate network problems. They do some routine maintenance and performing backups. Employers have learned that these workers often don't need to be on site to do their work, and the median salary here is $65,000. Hmm, okay, so so far no real surprises. As long as you have a fast internet connection, you could probably right. do most of those jobs from uh, virtually anywhere. 
Well, that's right. And speaking of virtual, Steve, the next fastest growing job is virtual assistant. You see, they provide administrative and technical services in a broad range of industries. Uh, You can go it alone with your own virtual assistant's business or hire on with a company that makes your services available to clients. Uh, Salaries vary quite a bit depending on your skill set and how much assistance you can provide. But again, it's all done remotely. Mm, Okay, but you can't get the boss coffee that way. Uh, Sure you can. Just have it delivered, and you could even have a bagel delivered along with it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, after my own heart. Okay, uh, what else? Uh, Well, here's one that almost begs to be done remotely, and that is social media marketing specialist. Uh, They're in demand as more businesses require a strong presence on platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to promote their brand and products. Uh, Median wage is a bit lower, around $38,000, but it's a profession where you can easily take on multiple clients. Hmm, Okay. Now, how about some of those jobs that we wouldn't expect to go remote? Okay. How about uh, paralegals and legal assistants? A lot of research from a legal standpoint and document preparation can be done online now. And there's uh, projected 10% job growth for those positions by 2029. Uh, Median salary is 52,000. And here's one you probably would never have expected before COVID, marriage and family therapists. Uh, Thanks to Zoom and Skype, these counselors are increasingly visiting with patients without leaving home. Uh, Job growth is expected to be over 20% in the next decade, and median salary here around 50,000. Yeah, and you're right. I wouldn't have expected some of those to have been done remotely, but indeed, uh, the times they are changing. Uh, Anything else? Well, since more and more business is done online these days, Steve, uh, companies have realized that if customers aren't coming into the building, customer service reps don't have to be there either. A lot of companies are hiring independent contractors to answer questions, manage complaints, and process orders all from home. Uh, And here's one that COVID has had a huge impact on, and that is, of course, teachers and tutors. Uh, Mm. Schools at all levels have realized that offering classes online greatly reduces operating expenses. So those jobs are expected to keep growing even after COVID. Uh, Median salary for kindergarten and elementary, around 60,000, a bit more for high school teachers. At the college level, median salary, 80,000. My kids' schools, uh, the public ones at least, have said next year, all of next year, they're going to offer a virtual option and they think it's here to stay. Well, okay, so there really is a new normal happening all around us. We'll come back and chat some more. You're tuned to MoneyWise Live, 800-525-7000. If you'd like to call in right now to speak with Rob West. All right, so you're saying to yourself, I'd like to speak with Rob West. I know Rob West is available. There's no charge to speak with Rob West, but Steve never gives the phone number. All right, here it is again, 800 800- Five two five seven thousand eight hundred five two five seven thousand. If you have a question or a comment, uh, anything along the. If you were a former classmate of Rob's and you'd like your pencils back, anything along those lines, uh, give us a call right now and we will put you on the air. What's the number again? It's eight hundred five two five seven thousand. Now, Rob, we were chatting about uh, any new jobs, any new careers that COVID. Uh, has started or that uh, with or without COVID, uh, careers that are going to uh, continue to be out there, even though they may, may morph just a little bit. Anything else for us that we didn't talk about? 
yeah, you know, here's another one that COVID has had a big impact on, Steve, and that is loan officers. Uh, people are hmm. touring houses online. So you may have seen, if you've been shopping for a house, you can actually uh, take a walkthrough in 3D uh, with uh, virtual reality where you don't even have to show up. Uh, well, if you can do that, why not shop for a mortgage that way? Uh, this is likely to be the new normal, and job growth for loan officers is expect, uh, expected to increase steadily throughout the decade. Uh, oh. Median salary there, 65000 So, you know, Steve, uh, this has changed so much, and uh, although we will return back to some sort of normal post-pandemic, there are a lot of things that I think will stay with us in what you're calling the new normal. Uh, but one of the things we know is that a lot of the trends that were already in place, I've heard many say uh, that they've been fast-forwarded, that uh, you know things have moved forward uh, maybe two or three years quicker than they would have uh, previously. So some of these things that were already going to be new realities, like moving increasingly to shopping online, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having meetings virtually, less travel, at least for business purposes, working remote, all that was underway. Changes in higher education. Uh, and so we've uh, we've hit the accelerator button on some of that. And I think we are going to see a lot of changes that will stick with us that hopefully will improve the quality of life mm-hmm. for a lot of folks as they have more flexibility in their work. Yeah. And I'll tell you a couple I like. First of all, uh, everyone is saying these days that uh, the traffic is much lighter than it used to be on the interstates. And even where traffic is picking up, it's more spread out. So the highways have become a, a bit mess, a bit less congested, and all of us can say hooray for that. And then finally, uh, just about all of the doctors that I see yeah. um, are now doing it online. And I yes. love that I don't yeah. have to drive 30, 40, 50 miles to see my doctor. It's quick for them. It's quick for me. Uh, it's hard to take my blood pressure that way, but uh, everything else seems to be working well. Well, and probably not for long, seriously, because uh, with all the advances <laughs> in health, you know, uh, the uh, y- if you have an Apple Watch, it's keeping your EKG and your heart rate and blood wow. ox level. <laughs> so it's probably only a matter of time before there's a, a, a Bluetooth uh, con- connection <laughs> that will allow you to take uh, just that. And that is uh, your blood pressure. So it's all coming and a lot of it's already here. All right. How about open and say, ah. Can, will we be able to do that remotely as well? You just put your uh, put your mouth up to the camera and uh, let them take a look. Yeah, I'll give that some serious thought. 800-525-7000. Let's begin Tampa, Florida. Hi, Jeanette. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, I'm going to retire soon, as soon as they can get someone to replace me. I think it's going to be maybe mid-May. Okay. And I have some questions about withdrawing from retirement funds. So okay. I've read about the 4% rule. Um, so one thing I want to know is, does that include the dividends that the stocks would pay? Would that be included in the 4%? And the other thing I want to know is, uh, what's the difference between choosing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my money in index funds, but what's the difference between choosing the ones that would pay higher dividends or lower dividends, do they, does one appreciate less than the other? Yes. Yeah. Good questions, Jeanette. Let me ask you first, uh, are you using a financial advisor, an investment professional to build out this portfolio or do you plan to do it yourself? No, I, I haven't. I haven't found anybody. I'm very untrusting of people. (laughs) Everybody that I've talked to in that 
in that line um, has wanted to sell me something, usually an annuity. So yeah, yeah, I've just okay. been reading a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's good. And I, I wouldn't give up, though. I would keep interviewing. And if you haven't already, I would seek out a couple of certified kingdom advisors to interview with as well. I know there's a number of them in the Tampa area. These are folks who have significant experience. They've met high standards in terms of character and uh, a regulatory review, but also they've been specially trained to bring biblically wise financial counsel at a professional level. And certainly that's going to make sure that uh, you all are starting from the right place. And that is right at God's word. Um, You know, in terms of the 4% rule, uh, you know, that's obviously been around for quite a while. The gentleman who actually came up with that recently revised it. And he said, you know, because he did that based on the worst possible scenarios, meaning you bought at the very top of the market and it went straight down from there and a whole bunch of other scenarios, he's actually recently revised that and said, you should be able to pull out 5% uh, a year. But let's say you stay conservative and stay 4% a year. The idea is that, yeah, all in, uh, you know, the dividends, the interest, the appreciation, uh, so both the income and the growth side, which would certainly include those dividends, gets repaid into the account so that you're replenishing what you're pulling out. So that portion that's in you know, dividend-paying stocks, uh, those would be income-type stocks as opposed to growth, meaning they're not keeping uh, the profits in the company to grow at a faster pace. They're paying it out in the form of income. Usually those companies, although this doesn't always hold true, grow, at least at the stock price, would tend to grow a bit slower than a, a growth stock where everything's being reinvested so they can grow a bit quicker and the stock price should usually go along with that. So you have the combination of the two. You should have some appreciation, but you should also uh, see some income there. And typically the higher paying dividend stocks would be, you know, a little bit more slow growing, you know, flat, but obviously you have the, the dividend income on top of whatever appreciation you might see. And all of that goes back into the portfolio to offset what you're pulling out in the form of income. Uh, the key is really finding the right ba- uh, balance or mix of investments to recognize the fact that this money needs to last, you know, potentially for decades. So you want a growth component to it, but also that you have a a real need for income now and you want it to be more stable. So if the market were down, you know, 35% in a real recession, uh, you know, your portfolio, at least the stock portion, you know, would might be down that much, but overall the portfolio might be down 10%, but you're not going to touch the stocks. You're going to let them rebound while you pull from the cash or the fixed income portion. But all of that, you know, goes back into the portfolio to offset what you're pulling out in the form of income. And that 4% number is a good rule of thumb. Does that make sense though? Yes, that was very helpful. Thank you. Okay, very good. Well, listen, if you want to connect with a certified kingdom advisor there in Tampa, Jeanette, just go to our website, moneywiselive.org, click Find a CKA, and I'd interview at least two to three. Find the one that's the best fit for you. I do want to underscore the importance, though. You've worked your entire life to build up this money. Find somebody you can trust that can really take uh, responsibility for managing this money alongside you. Not uh, not communicating with you, still in constant communication, but really doing the heavy lifting on the portfolio. Jeanette, thank you. 800-525-7000. Give us a call right now. It's Money Wise Live. He's Rob West. I'm Steve Moore, and we'd love to say hi to you today. You'll have to place that call first because we don't know your number. 
but here's ours, 800-525-7000, 800-525-7000. Let's go to Palm Beach, Florida. Hello, Heidi. What's your question? Hi, thank you for considering my question. Sure. My husband and I and we have zero debt. We have uh, a good amount of save for 20% down on a home. And we're just struggling with trying to make a decision of whether we buy now when things are just so highly inflated or do we continue renting? We'll be going into year three of renting and it's awfully expensive to rent where we live. So we just kind of, we're, we're just looking for advice of maybe what maybe we haven't considered. Uh, do we bite the bullet and pay the higher uh, uh, price tag for the home and higher taxes and all that goes with it? Or, or is it better to perhaps let let the market correct itself and keep uh, renting? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can certainly understand where you're coming from, Heidi. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're selling a home, which I realize you're not because you're renting and have been for several years, but if you're selling a home, it kind of normalizes everything, right? Because on the sale, you're getting top dollar so that you can buy at top dollar and kind of everything works itself out. The opposite is true when the housing market is a bit uh, depressed, meaning you're not going to get quite as much when you sell your home, but you get a good deal when you buy the home. So everything kind of works out, you're in a different spot because you're renting. And so you're buying in without the you know privilege, the benefit of enjoying that uh, top dollar sale on a home that you already own. With that said, I'm less inclined for you to try to quote unquote time the market, given that this is your home. And the reality is rental prices are very high right now. And you're not, uh, you know, enjoying any benefit of building any equity over time. So the only thing that would really slow me down is if you said, A, you know, we don't have an emergency fund. B, in addition to that emergency fund, you know, we don't have uh, a down payment of at least 20%. I mean, I'm hearing that you you have zero debt. Uh, you've got the 20% down. We didn't talk about the emergency fund, but hopefully in addition to that 20% down, you've got at least three months expenses. If not, I'd wait and build that up. Um, but if those things are true, and it sounds like they are, as long as you're planning on buying a home that you can stay in for five to seven years, then I'm okay with it. Because even if we were to have you know, the market, let's say the housing market continues to climb, this economy, you know, we expect based on the economists I talk to that are godly men and women who've been doing this a long, long time, really good at what they do, think that uh, U.S. GDP will grow the fastest it has in 20 years this year. Now, does that mean next year, the year after we couldn't have a, a two or three year recession? No, the economy is cyclical. We've been, you know, growing and the stock market's been, you know, leading the way uh, for 12 plus years now. And so we're due for, you know, this cycle to roll over. But that's why I'm saying five to seven years, because if you can wait it out, and even if we were to have a dip, uh, you probably build up a little equity over the next couple of years. If the housing market were to cool for a couple of years, you know, we're in the recovery. And now, you know, you're starting to think about your next home that's maybe a little bigger. So from that standpoint, I'd say as long as you can check those boxes in terms of your financial foundation, I'd say go ahead and make that purchase. But and here's a, a big one. Make sure that you don't buy anything that overextends you. Make sure that the principal interest taxes and insurance payment is no more than 25% of your household income on a monthly basis. So uh, reflect on everything I've just shared because I've thrown a lot at you. Well, 
Yeah, we have, we're able to check those boxes off. We have a pretty hearty 401k. We have a, a, a strong emergency fund set aside. And we're conservative by nature, so we wouldn't be biting off too much, uh, okay. you know, that we can't chew. It's just that it's just so hard not to feel like we're making a mistake because uh, in 2006 we purchased when the market was high, and then we ended up um, unbeknown. I mean, we didn't know at the time we planned on making that our permanent home, but with some family members becoming sick, we sort of had to take our, you know, revise things in our, in our lives, and we had to sell. And it happened. We we yeah. we, we had to sell it yeah. for less than what we purchased. And so it feels like, oh no, are we going to be making the same mistake? Because yeah. it's just yeah. such an inflated, uh, you know, market right now. And sure. and I feel like you know the government keeps kicking the can down the road, and I don't know if that means that we're just you know, going to be purchasing something that might hold not hold its value. But it was yeah. it was comforting to hear what you're saying as far as talking to godly advisors and and you know what they what they think. So yeah. I well, the we other just, thing I would add to that, just based on what you just said, Heidi, is keep in mind, you know, the timing of what you described in 2006 versus when you sold in 2008 because of an unforeseen family situation that required you to sell was very unfortunate timing because keep in mind, you know, you bought at the top and then uh, in 2008, we literally hit a financial crisis driven by the fact that uh, the housing market was in a bubble. Uh, so it was kind of the perfect storm that you all found yourself in where you had to sell in two years right at the same time. Uh, you know, we had a major uh, financial systemic problem in our economy that had to work its way through. You know, that's a, a once in a hundred year type of event. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen again. You know, we keep our trust in the Lord and nothing else. But I think, you know, the odds of that happening again are very low. The other thing is, keep in mind, one of the benefits of you buying now, even though the market is very high, is we have very low interest rates. So on the 80% of the value of this home that you're going to be borrowing for, we're talking historic low interest rates. I mean, you could buy under 3% in the form of interest, which is going to help to offset, uh, you know, even if the housing market were to cool off in the next couple of years, you're going to be borrowing money likely at a, a significantly higher interest rate, at least a percentage point, you know, or more. Uh, we would expect. So I think all of that should be comforting. It sounds like you all are following biblical principles and you have for a long, long time. That's good. You're trusting in the Lord. If you're giving, you're doing everything right. Uh, I would just uh, proceed prayerfully. And if the Lord confirms this, then I have no problem with you buying that house. Heidi, we wish you the very best. We appreciate your phone call today. Thanks so much. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll say hi to Priscilla and Kelly and perhaps you, 800-525-7000. Welcome back to Money Wise Live. Eva, Kelly, and Tim, we see you out there. Hang with us. But uh, first, it's Priscilla in Naples. And what's your situation, Priscilla? Hi, how are you? Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Yes, <clears throat> I am um, uh, 65. I had gone through a divorce at 60, and so we had a division of marital assets. We were both self-employed with um, no 401s or retirement. Basically, we had lived uh, the Dave Ramsey kind of lifestyle. Everything we owned was paid for, so 
you know, that was uh, my husband's plan for our future. Anyways, uh, to make a long story short, I went through a divorce. I own my home. I owe no debt. And in 2018, I was involved in a bad car accident, and I um, did receive um, this past year a personal injury uh, settlement. And um, at that time, I, I did have some uh, a little nest egg put away, and I, I do live a pretty frugal life. And um, and like I said, I'm I'm out of debt. I have a modest home that's paid for. And so I'm trying to figure out my Social Security um, is, and I am still working part-time, my Social Security is not large. And so the money that I received, um, I need to somehow make some income off of it. But I also, since I am turning 65, I don't want to risk anything. I am I, afraid to lose it because I don't have my earning potential is obviously going down. Sure. So I'm struggling. I did contact um, online, because I do listen to your program a lot. I did contact to try to find a uh, kingdom uh, financial advisor near me, and the closest one is two and a half hours away, and I'm really not that comfortable with that. But mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do. I do know the stock market, I think, is we've got a crash coming. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't know how to invest this money to have some kind of income coming in that can supplement uh, my income uh, through, you know, the next 25 years of my life. Yeah, and that's helpful, Priscilla. I appreciate that background. Uh, A couple of things. When we're done here today, I want you to stay on the line so we can get your information. We'll see if we can connect you to somebody closer. There are some CKAs there in Naples, if that's where you are. There should be some much closer than two and a half hours. Um, But secondly, I would just say, um, well, let me ask this. Are you comfortable sharing the amount that you'll be receiving? Uh, I've already received it. It's about $350,000. Okay, and you mentioned it was due to an accident. Are there ongoing medical costs that you'll have where this money needs to be available Um, for that? No, it does not need. There are ongoing uh, health issues. I was hit by uh, head on by a commercial truck. Wow. So, yeah, there's. Yeah. um, And I'm grateful to even be walking and alive. But anyways, that's a miracle and a testimony on itself. But uh, so, so based on um, the income you have right now, you expect that your bills will be covered for the rest of your life just based on your modest lifestyle, and therefore this money would just be available as excess if you needed it for long-term care or something like that, or do no, you need a portion of this no, to supplement? No, I, Yeah, I will need about $12,000 a year to supplement my income. Okay. All right. Um, and, and that's guaranteed income or that's based on your working right now? Uh, no, that's what I need in addition to what I, my social security and, and where my life is now. I would, in other words, if I didn't get this money, I would have to continue to work yeah. Yeah, uh, makes to sense. supplement my social security. I, I okay. wasn't working because of the car accident, so I had to start collecting sure. at 62 yeah. And now okay. I'm able to go back to work part-time.
Very good. Well, the, the good news is that that Social Security obviously is going to continue the rest of your life. And if all you need is another uh, 12000 a year, that's also good news because, you know, as we shared with the previous caller, uh, Mr. Bingen, who was the one who came up with the 4% rule, who now says you can probably go to 5%, uh, you know, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. And 4% of 350000 is 14000 which would account for, you know, you covering any taxes that should be uh, needing to be paid out of that and still give you about 1000 a month to supplement your income on a very conservative basis. But I do think, Priscilla, it will require that you have a portfolio managed by somebody you trust that has at least a portion, albeit less than half, I would say probably around 30, 35 percent uh, exposed to the stock market. And the idea would be that with that portion, because people are living longer, if the Lord tarries and you're in good health, as you said, this money needs to last potentially the next 25 years or more. And if that's the case, that's why we add this stock component even in retirement, because it gives you a growth component. But the idea is that if we were to, and let's say you're right, let's say the stock market has a major pullback, you use the word crash uh, in the next couple of years. Um, You know, we've seen historically over the last hundred years, every time we get into a major problem, whether it was the dot-com bubble or the uh, housing financial crisis in 08, uh, you know, all of them, the market does recover. Uh, We work systemically through those issues. And we have certain levers that the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government uh, can pull, and uh, we can work our way out of it. Now, I think long-term we're going to have to deal with this debt issue, and I think we will. Uh, and there are some other challenges we have. But keep in mind, we're one of the biggest economies in the world, uh, you know, still growing at a very good clip, and I think we could weather a storm like that. But there would be perhaps a year or two where you wouldn't want to touch the stock portion of that portfolio. But by design, you'd be able to do that. Because you'd want to let those stocks recover, uh, you know, a 35% pullback in the market, which would be a major pullback, um, you know, would still mean that the, you know, the 70% of your portfolio that's in fixed income and gold and cash and, you know, other uh, type income type investments would be very stable to offset what's uh, being pulled back in the market. That's where you would draw that 12000 a year from, and you'd let the rest recover. But I wouldn't try to do that alone. I would get a trusted professional to help you with that. So uh, let's do this. Why don't you hold the line? We'll get your information. We'll connect you with a couple of CKs, hopefully much closer than you think. Let's see if you find somebody who you think is a good fit and talk through that. Not somebody who's trying to sell you something, but somebody who could really help you build that kind of portfolio that would give you peace of mind to sleep at night, where your trust is in the Lord, but you have, uh, you know, you're being a careful and wise steward of what he's entrusted to you with this significant amount of money. Uh, Priscilla, stay on the line and we'll uh, get some additional information to you. Thank you very much for that. You know, it sounds like uh, Priscilla is the kind of person who really lives on a budget and we applaud that. Uh, But we also live on a budget here at uh, Money Wise. And uh, it's important that we let our listeners know, at least on occasion, Rob, that we do have needs and that this ministry and this radio program wouldn't exist without their generosity. 
Well, that's exactly right, Steve. You know, we are listener supported. So uh, we do what we do on the radio every day in partnership with Moody Radio because of your generous support to MoneyWise. And so we do ask from time to time that if you benefit from this program, you uh, consider yourself a part of the MoneyWise family, you're here by appointment on the way home or at work or, uh, you know, wherever it is as you're getting ready to cook dinner, uh, if you would consider investing in this ministry, we'd certainly be grateful. It's quick and easy to do. Just head over to our website, moneywiselive.org. There's mm-hmm. a button that's there, there that says Donate, and uh, you can become a monthly contributor. You can give one time, and we would certainly be grateful. Rob, you mentioned earlier in the program that uh, people we know and respect think that the next year or so we're going to be pretty good on, uh, as far as the market is concerned. Uh, should we expect that, even though there's been big changes at the White House? Uh, Yeah, you know, there's no reason to believe this economy won't rebound as we come out of the pandemic and grow at a good clip, and I think the market will follow suit. All right, we shall see, and uh, God's in control. We'll be right back. In Forest, Indiana, Eva listens to us over WGNR, and Eva, what's your question for Rob? Eva, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right, go right ahead, please. Okay, well, my parents are in their 70s, mid-70s, and they're thinking they're going to buy a house, and um, they want to put my name and my brother's name on the mortgage. And is that necessary? They're thinking if they pass pass away, that'll make things easier for us somehow. Yeah, Eva, you know, often folks will put their home in their children's names or add them to the title to avoid the property going through probate. But there's not really a big enough reason to do this. Um, and there are some downsides. Um, you know, in terms of the the downsides, there's the loss of control. So when this is done, you're essentially giving up control of the property, making someone else the legal co-owner with you uh, or instead of you to the extent um, they're replacing you and they're not going to put themselves on it. Um, it creates, uh, you know, an inheritance issue potentially. So if the child were to die before the parents, Um, their interest, the child's interest, could pass to someone else, which is not according to the wishes of the parent. So they're, you know, putting this name on there prematurely, and they may want it to go to a child, but they may not want it to go beyond that. But uh, based on that uh, child passing, that may happen. Um, Exposure to creditors. So if your child has a tax lien or some other judgment, um, it's a taxable Mm. gift. So potentially you'd have to file a federal gift tax form, although there's pretty massive exclusions that would make sure that there's not any tax that would have to be paid, but you'd still have to file it. And then there's tax issues as well. So the basis uh, for the property, for the home, would be what the your parents paid, um, not the market value at the time that the property was transferred to you, you know, at death, potentially, potentially down the road. Um, and so it would create some tap, capital gains issues that wouldn't be there if it was passing as an inheritance with a stepped up basis. So I think there's enough reason not to, but uh, this is something where we get into these type issues where you'd want to consult with an estate planning attorney. Um, so I'd look for one in your area uh, just to talk through all of these kinds of things. One of the things that could be done is there could be a trust created. 
and then the home could be titled in the name of the trust, which would allow it to pass efficiently and according to their wishes outside of probate, but not prematurely until either they're incapacitated or they pass away. So there are other ways to do it that wouldn't uh, you know, create some of these challenges that I just mentioned by just adding you all uh, or instead of them adding you to the title. So uh, if you don't have an estate planning attorney there in Indiana, connect with a certified kingdom advisor on our website, moneywiselive.org, and ask for a referral to a godly estate planning attorney who can help perhaps your parents and maybe you with them. Maybe you visit together, think through all these issues. Eva, great question. Thank you very much. Out to Warren, Ohio. Hello, Tim. How can we help you today, sir? Well, first of all, um, we've never really lived on a budget, and Lord really put on my heart to to use a CKA to help us set up a budget. And the man that helped us, he not only helped us do that, but we, we formed a friendship. And um, huh. I'd like to mention his name, if it's okay. Just uh, sure. His name sure. is Jeff Loxham. Okay. And he he was just such a blessing. I mean, just uh, <laughs> just how how he helped us so much, and we're related, and we formed a friendship, which is going to last forever. Oh, that's and awesome, Tim. Just, well, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, you know, often, I mean, uh, obviously, as a financial professional, typically working on a spending plan would be outside of the normal course of business. But because these folks are, uh, you know, they're kingdom oriented, kingdom minded, they want to help God's people. Many of them will allocate a little bit of time to uh, do this type of thing just as a a service or a ministry. So I'm delighted to hear about that. I will say for those uh, folks in our listening audience who want uh, help with a spending plan, we do have a group of godly men and women who are trained and volunteered just for that. They're called our MoneyWise Coaches, and you can find them at MoneyWiseLive.org. But Tim, I appreciate you getting that, uh, giving that shout-out to Jeff. That's uh, that's awesome to hear. Hey, how can we help you today? Um, what, are you familiar with, or what do you think about investing in tax liens and deeds? You know, I'm not a big fan. Um, you know, I wouldn't call myself an expert in this by any means. Uh, you can get a decent return, but it can also be quite risky. So for the benefit of our audience, this is basically when somebody doesn't pay their property taxes, rather than starting foreclosure, the municipality or the county uh, can put a lien on it and then later sell that lien at auction to a private investor. And then when you buy that lien, essentially, uh, you're risking your money. You're hoping that the taxes will eventually be paid plus interest to you, uh, you know, and you could earn that interest rate of three to seven percent. If not, you'd have to start foreclosure on your own. Um, You know, the benefits um, are that it doesn't require huge investment. So you can diversify by buying several different liens for different properties and locations and get a decent rate of return if everything goes right. I will say, though, on the downside, uh, sometimes homeowners fail to bring their taxes up to date. Uh, Your lien may also expire and you're not able to collect anything. Uh, Now, tax deed investing is different. Uh, With tax deed investing, the investor receives the deed to the property. Um, and you know, the, for uh, you know, the cost of the back taxes, you could own the property outright, but you'll most likely pay far more than just the taxes because tax deeds are auctions off to the uh, the highest bidder. So where you have competitive investors, these bids can almost near the real market value of the property. But then, if you get one, you'd hold the property long enough to get a better price than what you paid. You might have to rehab it 
that at that point you'd kind of consider it a flip. But I, I think both of these, uh, Tim, uh, are kind of real, risky real estate investing options. Uh, you'd have to really know what you're doing uh, or you can lose a lot of money. So for me, although I like uh, real estate as another investing asset class, I'd start with something that's more passive, like stock and bond investing. But if you, you know, you're maxing out your 401k, and you're, you're giving at the level you want, you feel like you want to diversify into real estate, I'd probably um, you know, hook up with somebody who's done some real estate investing the traditional way, where you'd typically you know, buy a property or buy into a REIT, where you've got good rental income. Um, you know, if you don't have any experience with tax deed investing um, then, uh, or tax liens, then I, I would be careful. Tim, we hope that information helps you. Thanks very much. And again, thanks for the nice words about one of our uh, certified kingdom advisors in your area. We're able or we're glad that he was able to help you. Uh, Tampa, Florida. Candace, what's your question for Rob West? I'm just trying to decide. Um, my husband and I are, we've been in our house for 25 years. And so um, we've re- we financed and refied and um, then we had a HELOC, and so now we're getting out of a HELOC and refining again. Um, but now everything needs to be redone. So at one point, do you just say, I mean, we, we kind of are that, like that show on HGTV, I, I want to list it, and he wants to stay and redo everything. So at one point, you know, who can you recommend me to talk to um, that would, or can you tell me, you know, at what point do you just throw in the towel, towel and put a sign on it and, you know, go somewhere else? Because yeah, now, I mean, um, I think there. I appreciate that question, Candace, and I think the first issue is recognizing there's the financial side and then the non-financial side. So if you're just looking at how can we maximize this as an asset in terms of getting the most out of it, you know, you'd want to evaluate where is this home in terms of its, uh, you know, market price today based on comparables, based on, you know, how it's been upgraded and so forth. And are there things that you could do? Probably not much because you wouldn't want to do a major renovation expecting to get full value out of it when you sell it. There's only certain things you would want to do, mainly repairs and curb appeal, uh, maybe paint and, uh, you know, uh, carpet that are going to allow you to match maximize the sale, but renovations, you're typically not going to get, you know, at the most, you're going to get 80% back. Uh, And oftentimes certain things you'd get even less than that. So if it's purely a financial question, you know, you'd approach it entirely differently than this is our home. And, you know, we love this home and we want to stay in it. We want to enjoy it. We want to continue to improve it. And, you know, that's really a decision that you and he are going to have to pray through just in terms of your lifestyle. And is this what you need? And is it too much? And where do you want to live, you know, in the next season of life? Is this the right location? So uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but just kind of give me a breakdown on is this a financial issue uh, or is it a non-financial issue in terms of you all making this decision? It's pretty much both. I mean, we're on water, so obviously he wants to stay. Um, but I just see it as being too much to too much to do, as far as you know. We're getting older, and I don't want to live through a bunch of re- renovations, and that's what yeah. needs to be done. Yeah. Have you all had those conversations where you know you sit down and talk about the reality? I mean, you've been through this before, so the two of you coming together, just saying, "Is this really what we want to take on?" I have some concerns. You know, I want to hear you out. Uh, have you have you had those conversations, and are you kind of at uh, <laughs> at odds yes. on this? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Well, you know, I think you just need to, and it's going to sound simple, and I know it's not, but I think you all are going to just have to make this a matter of prayer and at some point decide, you know, what is our vision for this next season of life for us? You know, what is God calling us to? Uh, Where do we want to live? What do we want our lifestyle to be? Do we want more time available for church and to volunteer and to do, you know, whatever he has for you? And is this the right season for us to take on a major renovation? I mean, for your husband, it may be a hobby for you. You're looking toward other things. But I think coming together and creating that vision first around what are our values and what's most important to us and where is God taking us? Those are the conversations I think you need to start with. And that that's way before you even get to, okay, so now what are we going to do with the house? That's a vision for the next season of your life as a married couple. And then we say, okay, based on that vision of where God is taking us now, do we want to stay in the home and take on a major renovation? Do we want to stay in the home and just be happy with it? Or do we want to sell and downside and buy something we don't have to touch so we can just enjoy those things? So I'd pray first, approach him about that, and maybe take a weekend together and uh, see if you can cast a vision for this next season. Candice, God bless you. Thank you so much for calling in today. We wish you and your husband the best. Money Wise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and Money Wise Media. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow.